from South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 13th, 2023 from A.T. Shire's home. Just so you know, some of the information on this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. Live taping alert, folks. Don't fast forward. You need these details. Join me, A.T., and Statehouse reporters Jeffrey Collins and Mayan Schechter for our live lead taping event during South Carolina Public Radio's 50th anniversary open house event on Saturday, January 28th. The event is free and open to the public, but you need RSVP for the taping. So you can find all those details at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. That's right, folks. Our first live taping of 2023, January 28th, open house at South Carolina Public Radio from 5 to 7, and then the lead taping right after. Now that that's out of the way, this episode features an extensive recap of the 98th inaugural ceremony where we saw Governor Henry McMaster get sworn in for a third and final time as the 117th governor of South Carolina. Choirs sang, crowds cheered, F-16s flew overhead, and democracy marched on. Lieutenant Governor Pamela Eva was also sworn in, as well as the state's constitutional officers. And we hear from House Speaker Merle Smith about what he wants to accomplish this session. We also game out three ways Republican lawmakers can tackle abortion in light of the Supreme Court decision. And we learn about falling inflation and a new strain of COVID-19 that we should be concerned about. I feel like every time we talk about phasing out our COVID updates, these new variants keep popping right back up. And of course, the lead loves hearing from everyone, from the people in power to the people that hold the power, which is y'all. So tell us what's on your mind, your hot takes, your unpopular opinions, good or bad, questions you want answered, anything. We'd love to hear from you guys. 803-563-7169. Give us a shout, leave your name, where you're calling from, and a little message at 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is high according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending January 7th, there were 11,030 cases of COVID-19 reported in the state. That's up 22% from the four-week average. There were also 48 deaths. That's an increase of 56% over the four-week average, according to DHEC. The state is also approaching 19,000 deaths since the pandemic first hit the state in March 2020. So yes, some jarring statistics right there. Folks are still dying from COVID-19 in our state, and officials continue to urge people to get vaccinated and boosted if they're eligible. On average, 644 South Carolinians are hospitalized with COVID-19, and 92 were in intensive care. And right now, 53.8% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Let's start off the podcast with a trip to the 98th South Carolina inaugural on January 11th, where Governor Henry McMaster was sworn into his second full term in office, along with his running mate, Pamela Evett, who in 2019 became the first female Republican lieutenant governor in our state. The day began with a traditional prayer service. However, since McMaster is the first governor from Columbia in more than a century, the service was held at his home church, First Presbyterian, instead of Trinity Episcopal Cathedral. There, several dignitaries joined the McMaster family for the service, where bagpipes played, religious leaders bestowed blessings, and a choir sang. First Presbyterian pastor Derek Thomas delivered a message of faith and leadership. We are blessed here in the state of South Carolina to have a governor who believes in God, 
who believes in the doctrine of providence, that God is in charge. That helps you go to sleep at night. However difficult the road ahead, whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to be changed, whatever the opposition may be, there is a greater power and a greater authority, and it's God. Is there evil in government? Absolutely. But there is good there too. The day progressed onward to the inauguration ceremony itself at the State House, where all living former governors gathered along with state lawmakers, foreign dignitaries, and others. The governors included Governor Dick Riley, who just turned 90. Riley, a Democrat, served two terms starting in 1979 and later went on to become President Bill Clinton's education secretary. Republican Governor David Beasley served from 1995 through 1999, and he currently heads the World Food Program. His five-year tenure ends in April. Democrat Jim Hodges beat Beasley in 1998 and was the last Democrat elected governor. Hodges lost in 2002 to Republican Governor Mark Sanford, who served two terms even when he disappeared to Argentina for a week-long affair in 2009. He won his old 1st Congressional District seat back in 2013 until he was primaried by Katie Arrington in 2018. Also in attendance was his former wife, Jenny, which honestly caused a lot of hubbub. Dare I say she was the best dressed there, second, of course, to First Lady Peggy McMaster? Yes. And Governor Nikki Haley, who left midway through her second term to become U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. That propelled then-Lieutenant Governor Henry McMaster to governor on January 24, 2017. That's why this is his third swearing-in ceremony, and second inaugural. So midway through this term, McMaster will become the longest-serving elected governor of South Carolina. Before taking his oath, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett administered the oath of office to the constitutional officers, all Republicans who were re-elected last year. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. Secretary of State Mark Hammond, Treasurer Curtis Loftus, Attorney General Alan Wilson, Comptroller General Richard Ekstrom, and newly elected Superintendent of Education Ellen Weaver, as well as Commissioner of Agriculture Hugh Weathers. And I'll preserve, protect, and defend. I will preserve, protect, and defend. Governor McMaster was sworn in for his third and final time as the 117th governor, but this time by State Supreme Court Justice John Kittredge, as Chief Justice Don Beatty did not attend the ceremony. Two F-16 Fighting Falcons, which are typically housed at McIntyre Joint National Guard Base, flew over the State House in salute of the governor. McMaster then gave a 20-minute address touching on education, economic development, and the environment, as well as criminal justice reforms and the need for greater transparency for the judicial branch, following that 3-2 Supreme Court decision to overturn the state's six-week abortion ban. We must also ensure that the public has confidence in whom and how we elect all of our judges, how we select our judges, by making the processes more transparent and accountable so that every South Carolinian, born and unborn, may enjoy life, liberty, and happiness. Nick Master also mentioned his plans to improve education in the state, something we heard from him in his 2019 inaugural address. Now, during his time in office, he's pushed his three E's, like I mentioned before, economic development, education, and protecting the environment. He mentioned all three again being his focus over this next term, specifically education. We must do whatever it takes to see that every child, to see that every child in our state has the opportunity to receive an excellent education. 
Albert Einstein said, quote, a problem can never be solved by thinking on the same level that produced it. He was right. We must think big and bold, and we will. Standing here four years ago, I said, being perceived as weak in education is not good, but being perceived as not committed to fixing it is disastrous. Six years ago, the minimum starting salary for a teacher in South Carolina was $30,113. Today, it is 40,000. My goal is by 2026 is that we have a minimum starting salary of at least, at least $50,000. Now you've heard the governor speak about the natural beauty of our state from the mountains to the sea. He's big on preserving and protecting the state while at the same time working to grow it. While McMaster never specifically mentions climate change when he talks about the environment, it's obviously an undercurrent when discussing implementing goals from the Floodwater Commission via his Office of Resilience. Flooding and stronger storms pose a huge threat to the state and our coastal attractions especially, which is why he wants to see greater protection and conservation of lands, something he backed up in his budget proposal as well. We recently created a new cabinet agency called the Office on Resilience, which adopted the findings of our Floodwater Commission its purposes include measuring our strengths and weaknesses concerning flooding, erosion, and the conditions of our rivers, coasts, and barrier islands, and, all, and to mitigate, accommodate, and respond to flooding, and also to coordinate efforts of economic and natural resilience with governmental and non-governmental agencies and entities. Vigorous economic growth and the preservation of our shared natural heritage and environment are not, are not opposing objectives which must be balanced as in a competition, one against the other. Instead, they are complementary, intertwined and inseparable, each dependent on the other. Each can be accomplished to the fullest if we plan now and be bold. The big question today is, will anyone recognize South Carolina, our South Carolina, in 100 years? Will we allow our state's cultural and environmentally significant structures, monuments, lands, islands, and waterways to be lost forever to overdevelopment, mismanagement, or flooding, erosion, or from storm damage? Or will we preserve and protect our history and environment and the public's access to them? This is our moment to act while we still can. The day concluded with the Black Tie Gala at the Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. Now, I did not attend this, but several friends did, and it sounded like quite the time from what can be remembered. And so begins the second full term of the McMaster administration. Now, the inauguration was not the only big event that happened this week. That's because it was the first week of the first year of the 125th General Assembly. That's right, all 124 House members and 46 Senate members were in the House in Columbia, as they will be Tuesday through Thursday until mid-May. And there are a lot of issues to tackle, on top of what Republicans want to do about abortion, since, like we said, the state Supreme Court overturned the six-week abortion law last week in a 3-2 to decision. 
The fallout from this will easily last years and could even result in changes to how judges are selected as soon as this upcoming election, which is expected in early February. In our previous episode, y'all got a healthy, healthy dose of priorities from House and Senate Committee Chairman, as well as the Senate Democratic and Republican leadership. Unfortunately, we didn't hear from either House Republican leader Davey Hyatt or Democratic leader Todd Rutherford. But on the first day of session this week, House Speaker Merle Smith held a press conference to outline his priorities, which are not too dissimilar from what we've been hearing from senators and the governor. For Smith, the top issue is making sure the state's economic gravy train keeps rolling. Now, when you're talking about a banner year like in 2022, with $10 billion plus in capital investment and more than 14,000 jobs announced, well, folks, including the governor, want to see that continue as it grows the state and our tax base, which is one of the big reasons why we have $750 million in new recurring tax revenues and some $3 billion in one-time dollars. But workforce development is key as well, and the heart of this is education. Without building that pipeline and creating a supply of workers for these jobs, then it's all kind of pointless. I mean, there are like 100,000 open jobs in the state right now, though of course we've also seen inbound migration to our state as well. Here's Merle. We have heard from our industries and from our employers, both large and small, that they are having trouble filling jobs. So you're going to see us work on, on trying to create job training, job placement, and a number of other issues. And, and one thing you, you learn that we've, that we've come to learn through this Economic uh, Development and, Modern, and Utility Modernization Committee is that we have silos of workforce uh, uh, and work for, have silos of workforce uh, programs in different agencies. And so I think first and foremost, you're going to see us start with trying to consolidate those under one uh, roof, and that's going to be under the South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforce. You're also going to see us remove barriers to work. We hear for one, we look at our labor participation rate, it's 56% in the state of South Carolina. The average is 62% in the United States. So you're going to see us try to move that labor um, participation rate up some over these next few years, and you're going to have to do it by removing impediments in, in there. We need to cut uh, red tape with occupational um, licensing. We need to make sure that we, uh, that we have LLR reform, and we also need to make sure that what we are doing is helping the impediments get removed, and that's through affordable housing, and that's also through affordable daycare, and you're going to see some concentration in those issues. Now, you heard there at the end some interesting things, and I can't remember the last time I heard a lawmaker in such a high position make the case for affordable daycare and affordable housing. But this goes back to how big business continues to drive the agenda for our state, for better or for worse. You're seeing changes being made to incentivize workers in a tight labor market, and we saw that even for state employees who got paid parental leave for the first time last year. And Smith spoke again about raises for state employees, teachers, and law enforcement to retain them, attract more talent, and offset inflationary pressures. Now, Speaker Smith also wants to crack down on fentanyl trafficking and lower those overdose deaths that we're seeing in the state, as well as mandating more cash bonds in an attempt to end a cycle of folks getting out and committing additional crimes while out on bail. These are ways Smith plans to boost public safety. He even mentioned open constitutional carry being a priority, which is him likely trying to appeal to far-right members in the chamber, which he'll be working with to balance their priorities with others to keep everyone happy. I mean, constitutional carry obviously is going to be a big issue this year. We passed constitutional carry two years ago with training. 
to my knowledge, I have seen no statistics that there's been any issues with that. And so if there's no issues, then that begs the question, you have a constitutional right to carry a weapon, and, and if you meet the uh, legal requirements, and then should we, should we uh, enact those? So you'll see some concentration from the Judiciary Committee on that. But also, we need to be cognizant of the fact that we have a Democrat administration in, in uh, Washington, D.C., who continues to try to push their agenda down to the states through a number of ways, and we're going to defend uh, our constitutional right to have guns in this state. But pushing education will be a major focus as well, which comes at a time when there is a new House Education Committee chairwoman in Shannon Erickson and a new state superintendent of education with Ellen Weaver. Education scholarship accounts, which is essentially a voucher program, already moved out of the Senate Education Committee Thursday and is set to get debate on the Senate floor next week. This bill, S-39, is moving so fast because a similar one was previously passed last year, but died in conference committee. As for what to do with abortion since the state Supreme Court ruled 3-2, to two, throwing out the six-week abortion law since it was not in line with the state's constitutional right to privacy, Speaker Smith said they are still evaluating options here. I think it does put some more emphasis on the selection of our next justice of the Supreme Court, so I think you'll see us pay a lot more attention to judicial philosophy whether you believe in the Constitution and that it's to be strictly construed or whether you believe the Constitution is a malleable document that can be expanded. So I think some hard questions will be asked of the three candidates and we'll talk about that. But where we go from there, obviously we get with our legal team and trying to evaluate our options and see where we go. So everything's on the table at this point, but you know, again, this is something that we need to be careful and, and, and make sure we are, we are uh, ready and we have a sound legal advice as we move forward in what we do. Well, I, there's politics in everything we do in South Carolina and so in, in the United States. I mean, obviously you look at U.S. Supreme Court, you look at the way they confirm judges up in, in Washington, D.C., and there's politics involved in that, and there's, there's going to be politics in this, but it's not politics to determine what your what you're judicial philosophical leanings are. And I think those are fair questions to ask candidates when they are running for a, to be elected to the Supreme Court or to any judicial office in the state. And I think you will see people ask those questions. I think there's a code of judicial conduct to which you can't tell people how you would rule, but I think that's, that does not bar them from telling us what's their philosophy on, the, on judicial restraint and on separation of powers, which I clearly believe that the, um, the uh, ruling last Thursday violated the separation of powers in this state. Do you envision those conversations happening on an like individual basis or in a more formalized setting? I think it'll probably be more, more individual basis and, and people are going to want to know and each member is going to have to make a determination. But, you know, in my time, I've served 22 years and this is the most important election that I think we're going to have on the Supreme Court because I see a clear delineation of philosophies on the current Supreme Court, and, and one of these is one who, uh, who's retiring, has been a, uh, a, you know, a, a well-seasoned uh, uh, jurist of the state of South Carolina, but there is, there's a different philosophical belief than what I have with her, with her opinions. Now, I've spoken on background with folks close to this case, and there are essentially three options for lawmakers to pursue here. One option is to pass another law that limits abortion somewhere between 6 to 20 weeks in a way that appeases Justice John Cannon Few, who swung the court majority. Another option is to pass a constitutional amendment explicitly saying that the right to privacy does not include abortion. 
Now this requires a two-thirds vote in both chambers before it even reaches the public. And of course right now with the current voting makeup on abortion, specifically in the Senate, it wouldn't work. That is until folks like Republican Senators Katrina Sheely, Sandy Sin, and Penry Gustafson can be primaried and replaced by more conservative Republicans in 2024. That's not me saying this, this is just what Republicans envision here. And option number three is to recall the current slate of three Supreme Court nominees and revamp the Judicial Merit Selection Committee to make it essentially more politicized by asking judges more open questions about philosophies and their worldviews. The three screened and qualified candidates right now are South Carolina Court of Appeals judges Aphrodite Condoris, Stephanie McDonald, and Garrison Hill. Is one of these candidates going to be conservative enough for lawmakers who will be stuck with them for the next 10 years on the court? We don't know. That's the state of play right now. A lot of things happening over the next few weeks to watch. And on the way out, a campaign 2024 update. We need like a sound effect for campaign 2024. Politico reports that former President Donald Trump is planning to hold his first public campaign event of the year in South Carolina. And what aides are portraying as a first step into a more public phase of his 2024 White House run. Trump is slated to make an appearance in late January in Columbia. It will not be a rally, his advisor said, but will be a more, quote, intimate event where he will roll out his leadership operation. So we will be there, folks. We got a quick business and medical section here. I know the last section was long, but we are back, folks. We are rocking and rolling. But let's start off with inflation. Yes, the consumer price index continues to decline from its mid-2022 high to 6.5% in December, according to the Department of Labor. That was a decline from 7.1% in November and 9.1% in June. Oof. Core CPI, which removes the volatile prices for food and energy, also dropped to 5.7% in December for the year. Data. The Wall Street Journal reports that this will likely keep the Federal Reserve on track to increase interest rates by a quarter percent at its February 1st meeting. The Wall Street Journal also exclusively reported Friday that the Biden administration is preparing to seek congressional approval for a $20 billion sale of new F-16 jet fighters to Turkey, along with a separate sale of next-generation F-35 warplanes to Greece, and what would be among the largest foreign weapon sales in recent years. This according to U.S. officials. Now, Congress's approval is contingent upon Turkey's sign-off on Finland and Sweden's accession to NATO. This according to officials. Turkey has blocked the two countries' applications over objections to their ties to Kurdish separatist groups. So this is the old carrot-and-stick approach, folks. The sale to Turkey, which the administration has been considering for more than a year, is larger than expected, It includes 40 new aircraft and kits to overhaul 79 of Turkey's existing F-16 fleet, according to officials familiar with proposals. Now you're like, Gavin, great, whatever, why does this matter? Well, do you know where the F-16 is produced, AT? I'm looking at you now. No, it's not Fort Worth, Texas anymore. No, they're produced in Greenville, my friend, where there's currently a backlog of 130 orders for several countries, and those planes will start rolling off the line once the plant makes it through final checks in mid-2023. So a boost of 40 F-16s would be another big order for the Greenville plant. So stay tuned there. We're not just dreamliners in the state. 
Now for a quick medical update. The Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security has this reporting on the XBB.1.5 variant that has quickly become the dominant strain in the United States. XBB is a recombinant Omicron sublineage, a fusion of two different BA2 variants, making it more closely related to the BA2 subvariants that were predominant in the earlier part of 2022, as opposed to the BA5 subvariants that were responsible for most cases in the second half of 2022. So, which one did you have? Now, its rapid growth has concerned public health officials and healthcare practitioners alike, with the World Health Organization officials calling it the most transmissible subvariant detected yet. We just keep going up, don't we? Though there's not yet much data on the severity of XBB, so far there's no indication that it makes people more sick than previous subvariants. Hopkins says some experts are concerned about XBB's potential to evade prior immunity, with the research on the related XBB's subvariants showing the potential to escape the protections of antibodies resulting from vaccination, prior infection, or treatments. Now, notably, many experts highlight that vaccination and quick treatment with Paxlovid remains highly effective at preventing severe illness. So that's always there. Now, it is unclear just how large of a surge may be driven by XBB.1.5, but the nation and the world is much better positioned at this point in the pandemic with vaccines, treatments, and non-pharmaceutical interventions such as masking, helping to prevent infection, severe illness, and death. This podcaster will also add washing your filthy hands. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. And we're glad you're here. Mm, We're talking about what's going on in your world, your opinions, unpopular and popular alike, how you're handling things. Tell me your most popular opinion, please. Well, you know, they don't have to be unpopular. (laughs) We can talk about how much everyone likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Sure. Except our poor allergic nut people. But crunchy or or, or creamy? Creamy, I'm not psycho. Crunchy, my God, you are. Oh my God, no one is going to do crunchy. Crunchy is better. Crunchy no, is better. No, it's not. It is. It is. It is. I'm trying to enjoy myself, and then all of a sudden I have to chew yeah. harder. I just want to, sw- I like to take oh. a bite, and then I just swallow uh, it. Now. Anyway, can you pick that please, back up, please? Someone please call in and settle this for us. 803. That wasn't even scripted. That was, that was just real. <laughs> Mostly it's it's fully scripted back here. This is the part of the podcast, which is like every other podcast out there. I like the I like that Two we can't even get through the script the here. <laughs> settling the score. <laughs> the one part scripted is this opening, and we can't even get through it. Please give them the number. That's how unsure it's 6569. I mean, it's just <laughs> so great part of this. 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. And we have a call, our first call of 2023. Oh, yes. Took us this long, but hey, we got one. We got one. <laughs> so you're ready. I've been I've been ready since 2022. Okay, let's go. Hey guys, this is Jace Woodrum. I am returning to South Carolina after a long time away. Grew up in the upstate, lived in Colorado for about a dozen years, and now I am back in Columbia and just wanted to call and give you a little bit of love for the lead. Um, past couple of episodes, really helpful and interesting and, and really loving what you guys are doing. So wanted to Wanted to send some of that love your way. Also, I happen to be the executive director of the ACLU of South Carolina. Really cool to hear um, you all talk about the redistricting fight that we have in the courts. 
uh, hey, why not talk about it at your live taping? I mean, what's better to talk about when you can't actually look at a map or see see anything? So great, great content for a live taping, a little bit of redistricting. Um, guys, looking forward to continuing to, to become a, a listener, maybe even a friend of the pod one day. Uh, keep it up. Take care. Jace, thank you for calling, and I, I think this is a good way of us putting the call out there for more executive directors to call. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate that. Obviously, if we don't really want people pushing too much of their agendas, we'd rather just hear from folks because this is the wind down section. But Jace kind of gave a little good, a little bit of both. So we're gonna we kept he it buried on the, he buried the that's lead you, that he was the executive director. That's how you do it, folks. It's yeah. a little masterclass right there from him. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely be talking about redistricting going forward, possibly even at the live taping. I know some state lawmakers are saying. We're going to wait and see this map get appealed all the way to the states, to the U.S. Supreme Court. I keep saying state because we keep talking about abortion, but yeah, um, this map will probably be going all the way up there. So we'll be following that for a while too. Um, but thanks again for calling, Jace. Good. I mean, we asked. He delivered. Love yeah. that. Love that. Thank you so much for listening. Um, so many things to talk about. So many important things to talk about in this section eighteen. Yeah, so many important things. But I would rather talk about Gavin. You cooked a meal. And I would like... A- well, yeah, here we go. AT, bullying the poor little Gavin <laughs> section of the section of the I wind would down. like to hear about it. So what did you cook so, for dinner? So it, the session's back. Happy yes. session. Yes. And during this time of year... With session comes what? For the next session comes my slow descent into madness. As yes. we'll trace throughout this entire year. You'll be year. able to hear, uh, sharp ear You'll listeners. hear me devolve. <laughs> Once May comes around, I'll just be scraggly. Yes. yes. But during this time, like, you know, we tape the podcast on Monday... I'm busy at the State House Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, tape twist on Thursday mornings. Then we do the podcast Friday. I have a busy week, this is what I'm saying. So with that, I have no time to eat healthy food unless I meal prep, I think is the phrase that kids use. That's meal prep. I see this. And so I always do very straightforward, basic meals, which you're going to classify as sad, but I don't care because they're just what I need to get through the day. Pure sustenance. We're talking I, of nutrients for the body. It is <laughs> Flavor is tertiary, not even secondary. If it, if, it, if it gets there, it's great. There's always room for improvement. Does it fit in his mouth? Yes. It, Do, does it have nutrients? Yes. Does it taste good? Who knows? Do I put it in a feed bag and strap it to my face and eat it? <laughs> yes. Because I have no time. Hands can't be free. Gavin, Gavin's feed... S- is, can, it's it's is proprietary. Canon. It's lore <laughs> it's on this propri- podcast. I don't think we've gone a couple months without talking about it. It is it is in the ancient scrolls. So what did you? Cook? I need to make a, a cookbook. That's what yes. we, that's what we're getting at here. Yes. So I did my turkey chili, which I have not mm-hmm. done a chili in a while. You know, I love my Instapot. Yes. So I, I kind of bungled it because I just threw everything in and Inst- I didn't brown the chili. I didn't brown the, the ground turkey first. You I should have done that. You I forgot brown. to do it because I was so excited. Yes. So I did that, you know, I just, you know, you put your whole tin of the crushed, the big tin of the crushed tomatoes and then some diced tomatoes. What kind of tomatoes are you using? I'm going to all the AT. I'm not buying fancy Italian D-O-P. D-O-P. I'm not, yeah, I love my Italians. I love my tin fish. I love my Spanish Portugal tin fish. I'll go there for that stuff, but I don't need it for my tomatoes. Run-of-the-mill tomatoes. I think you do. Bam. I would also say put in a tomato paste. Yeah, sure. 30 cents. Here's tomato paste. Yeah, it's like 10 cents. Uh, I do put beans in my chili because beans are good for you. I put beans in chili every single black, time. Two cans of black beans. Mm-hmm. Love black beans. Black beans bean are so is, good for you. Black bean is a very strange well, uh, it's, chili it's bean. It's one that doesn't affect my GI as much. I'm a big Let's kidney bean. Way. I'm a big kidney bean I'm guy. I'm trying to li- limit my gaseous output. <laughs> gaseous. <laughs> 
Okay. And then, then what's the next step? Um, what else did I put in there? Yeah. I do want to know. Spices, you know. The spices. What spices are you we're putting in? We're doing chili powder. We're doing Necessary. cumin. Yeah, we're doing cumin. pepper. We're doing salta. I mean, we're doing the basics. I just didn't do it enough. And I got some more. Um, I got. I love crystal hot sauce. Crystal hot sauce is reminds the me of best Louisiana. Ones. The best one. So I dump a bunch of that in there. So I, I just need to make it better. There's room for improvement. It wasn't as flavorful this time because again, like I said, I haven't made chili in a while. So how long did you cook it? Oh, I just put it in my uh, instant pot for like four hours. Oh, that's so pretty I, good. I said it and forget it. Yeah, you said it, you forget it. But it came out. It was kind of sad. Yeah, but, it sounds bad. But you know what I do now? <laughs> now that I'm also doing the bread thing. Yeah. Get a good Sop healthy chunk of bread with it. I just throw it in my bag. Just loose bread. Yeah. I don't do plastic bags. Big here. loose bread I don't guy. Need, I don't just put it in the big bag. Big loose bread guy. And that's after I have my morning oatmeal still mm-hmm. cut. It's very also very sad, but I started adding peanut butter to that with a little bit of honey. You gotta get you gotta get on the chunky train. And I do chunky that peanut butter train. every day until May. Yeah, and you're gonna I'm dead inside, but I can eat the same thing over and over again. I I think that you're saying that you can eat anything over and over again, but I, I inside, can hear my soul screaming. I can hear it screaming that you need more. So you you need to be my little um, blue apron. And by the way, guys, we have a fifteen percent off blue, blue apron. apron. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and keyword, also, keyword Gav Daddy Jackson five. <laughs> What's that? Oh, Salesforce and Salesforce. If you guys are out there yeah, looking for yeah, workers yeah, yeah. and me undies, <laughs> <laughs> all fifteen percent off Gav Daddy fifteen. That's the code. Um, I do so a chili. I do a chili with. I put my a little, father. I put a little cinnamon and allspice in oh, it. Oh, very Ohio okay. of you. Ohio, Middle Eastern. I thought Ohio is skyline chili. I also think cinnamon. I've never been to Ohio, nor have I eaten skyline chili. I, I do not eat chili on spaghetti. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it's like buffalo. Gavin, I think you should yes. cut the turkey cut out with beef. Some beef. Yeah, I just like the healthiness of the of the turkey. I go half beef, half chorizo, mm. and it's very good. Mm-hmm. You go to a supermercado with a meat section in back, and uh-huh. you ask for the chorizo. Really and me, good. And there are other options out there. I, I'm going to do different things because I've been exposed to some different things lately. <laughs> Opening I don't your want, eyes. I really don't want to elaborate any further. <laughs> 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 no, like I've had some dinners with some friends. I'm like, oh, this is easy and simple, and I can replicate this in at scale. So I could do that. I gave you a tet- I gave you tetrazzini That's recipe. That's true. I need to do that too. Chicken tetrahedron. And then also, um, you know, we put the little capers on there to give that little salt pop. That always makes there should not be capers on that. No capers in my chili because no. the salt gets. I've talked about this before. The salt gets lost in it, but the capers stay there and give you that flavor but brother we got so much to work on i know okay but if, it's if, my cross and i don't care if, if I you guys have a great meal prep yeah give us your meal prep tips gavin needs it he's dying I'm this fine. is this is a problem he's he's hale and hearty you're basically uh, it, remember the exorcist when it like help was scrawled on yes, your stomach that's, that's what's happening right his now. body he looks like memento but like horror movie memento where it's coming from the inside <laughs> and then also we're gonna this is also gonna be our last podcast <laughs> because i just got a uh equifax settlement check for eight dollars okay and i'm gonna take that eight dollars and buy four wait yeah four yeah two times four is eight two times four is eight <laughs> Divide, that's yeah, a for four. sure so we're gonna get some tickets mega millions tickets hit the big one mm-hmm. and um 
this podcast will be completely different the next time you hear it. <laughs> it'll just be AT talking about whatever he wants, which is just, it'll be me and producer Sean talking about our pizza cooking techniques it's and uh, the benefits of having a pizza steel versus a pizza stone. And, and, how and it's all, big. And how fast I can lose a billion dollars. <laughs> you and Elon. Anyway, have a good weekend, everyone. Gavin, we're going to be off for MLK we're be off Day, MLK right? MLK Day, and I'm, again, I'm not going to be coming back anytime soon yes. when I win so, the Mega Millions. So. Needless to say, Gavin Goodbye. will be crawling back midweek next <laughs> week, and uh, I will think about allowing him on the next podcast. So have a good weekend. Please, Please call. Back. Please call, folks. Bye Let bye. us know. Uh, give us a shout like Jay's did at 803-563-7169. We'd love hearing from you guys. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Hi, Chippy. How's it going, bud? Oh, my God. You just going to squat there? Are you going to do any work today, Chippy? You going to squat there? You could really use your help on the pod.